our mission is basically to create positive experiences for children, you know, replace adverse childhood experiences with positive. And it's simple, it's vast, it's broad, but that's the bottom line what we're trying to do. Bonjour, hello, welcome to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. I'm your host, Leah Lem. And I'm your other host, Cole Primo. Miigwech for joining us today. Native Lights is, at its core, a place for Native folks to tell their stories. Every week, we have wonderful conversations with great guests. These are policymakers, healers, artists, a whole bunch of different people, you name it. We talk to them about their gifts and how they share those gifts with their community. And the purpose of the show is to amplify Native voices, and we're continuing that today. So, Leah, what's going on? How you doing? I'm great. I'm trying to um, talk between my child learning to play guitar downstairs. So I will hopefully (laughs) not be distracted by him um, strumming real hard and saying, Dang it! Is that working? (laughs) (laughs) How are you doing? Great, you know, it's... uh hot and getting my summer bronze on. I uh, just uh, watched Stranger Things, the latest oh. season, mm-hmm. and that's been pretty... Have you watched that? Oh, yeah. I watched it the day it came out. But <laughs> otherwise, you know, if we're just uh, uh, planning on, plan on getting the canoe soon from old Pappy Primo mm-hmm. and uh, get out on the lakes here in the Twin Cities. So, yeah. Today, we are going to talk with somebody who has been working for decades for tribal early childhood issues. Barbara Faber is enrolled at the White Earth Nation and really just has spent her life as an advocate and promoting early education. And that's through like all sorts of different levels, like tribal, state, national, federal levels, and in all sorts of different ways. Barb created Indigenous Visioning and All Nations Rise, and those work within Indian country to support tribal, high-quality early childhood systems. Buju Barb, can you please introduce yourself and, you know, where you're joining us from? Buju, my name is Barb Faber. I am a member of the White Earth Ojibwe Nation here in Minnesota. I'm a mother and grandmother and... Uh, CEO of Indigenous Visioning and President of All Nations Rise, um, which is a new nonprofit. And I'm joining you today from beautiful Long Lost Lake in uh, northern Minnesota. We're definitely going to get into those, uh, you know, those things that you're helming, Indigenous Visioning and all that. Uh, but before we get into that, we like to ask, you know, just how you're doing uh, during the pandemic, how your family's doing during 2022. Doing fine, uh, you know, just like everybody else, kind of, um, you know, stayed home, <laughs> did everything remote, uh, you know, masked up, vac- vaccinated, um, did, you know, all, all of that, social distancing. And uh, our family did, still got it, but because we are vaccinated, um, we didn't get it as bad as some people. So it was mild. So that's good news. Well, let's hear a little bit about your work, kind of where you are currently. Um, Barb, can you tell us a bit about what you are up to these days? 
Well, Indigenous fishing were were five women and a 0.5 male (laughs) on our staff. And what we do is we work with um, with within tribal communities uh, to work with tribes. We are working with a national organization um, to indigenize their process for Indian country. And their process is to build capacity and around childcare to work with the community. And it's something they've been very successful. They uh, started in Minnesota and they've grown into, I think, three other states now. And I've worked in, in my prior um, job. Uh, I worked for my tribe for 30 years and worked on their federal child care uh, development block grant. So I was familiar with their work. It's First Children's Finance. And they've just been amazing. They help. Uh, child care professionals create a business, manage their business, think of themselves as small businesses um, because that's what they are, aside from a high quality early childhood um, setting for children. So uh, because we can't work, people can't work if there's not child care. Mm-hmm. I always think of successful economic development as, a, as like a stool with four four legs. It's housing, jobs, transportation, and childcare. So the stool can't stand without any one of those four important things. And so childcare is critical. So being that's been my, was my background for 25 years, I'm very passionate about it and I'm working with tribes to build their capacity. So we went into partnership with First Children's Finance and created a First Children's First Nations Child Care Collaborative, where we go in, we're working in two tribes in Minnesota now, and we're going to be doing it into two more tribes. Um, but we wor- we go in there, help the community, the tribe, build a um, Indigenous core team that will um do all the work, do the planning, do the, you know, data gathering, um, meeting with the community. And while we're there to help facilitate um, the process, uh, the, the tribe and the community does it. And we just help facilitate that. And so, you know, we bring all the stakeholders together. We um, then uh, help them create a child care action plan. Um, for their community to build that capacity. So that's one thing. Another thing is uh, that's I've been a passion of mine is to um, empower parents by many means. But the one uh, project that I'm really proud of is, um, and I know, Leah, you were guest speaker at our mm-hmm. Indigenous Parent Leadership. I'm hearing rave reviews about that. So oh, thank you for doing that for <laughs> Mm-hmm. for our parents. Yes. Um, the Indigenous Parent Leadership Project came from when I worked at the tribe and I had created some parent mentor programs that were uh, pretty successful. And um, I was invited by the Children's Defense Fund to um, come to an event. And I wasn't sure what the event was, but when you get an invite like that, you 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 go. So we I they asked me to bring a parent from our program. And so we had a volunteer and the parent and I went and just 
got to meet some amazing people, hear their life stories of how they, you know, lost everything. They were homeless. Um, there was addiction. There was domestic violence. There was some that were just, you know, you're just wanted to be a part of the project, the training. And so then come to find out that that was, that was the final event was that uh, all those people that we met got up and presented and they were parent uh, graduates of the National Parent Leadership Training Institute, PLTI. And so, you know, I, I heard their stories about transformation and, you know, how they had lost everything. And um, some of them had lost everything. And um, it wasn't until they found PLTI and and uh, there's there's a spiritual connection, um, whatever that is, and how it transformed them into um, empowered parents, um, advocates, child advocates, family advocates, community advocates. And it was just like you know, both the parent and I were like, we had to get that door wider. So it took a few years. Um, but we finally got it. And thanks to the Voices and Choices in the state of Minnesota, we were able to apply and receive funding from the Community Solution Fund to pilot this um, on two reservations. So we're doing it um, in White Earth and Red Lake. It's an amazing program. As you've seen, uh, they, go, they attend, uh, it's a cohort of parents. So the parents are empowered with child development and, and kind of the why. Um, and then they uh, build on and learn, um, hone in on their skills around advocacy and leadership. And then they uh, do a civic engagement on how to use their voice. Once they, you know, fine tune that, how, how do they use their voice and where? So they look at, you know, it's understanding of how governments work and, systems work and, you know, how to work within those systems to, to advocate for your child or your community. Well, Barb, could you talk a little bit how your version of the Indigenous Parent Leadership Initiative brings in culture? Well, with all the people that we had met who had gone through it, there was a, there was a common theme. They all had a really strong spiritual kind of connection to their faith whatever that was. And of course, we immediately thought of culture because of the historical trauma, what we've lost, um, you know, and a lot of us didn't grow up with that because our grandparents and great-grandparents went to boarding schools and wouldn't teach future generations. Like my mom, my dad, you know, my dad said, um, my grandpa would not, he was full-blooded. He was he knew the language, but he wouldn't teach his children because he didn't want his children to be beaten. And, you know, so that's kind of, you know, we knew that we had to reintroduce our culture and some of our teachings. Mm -hmm. So we thought of, of course, Dr. Anton Troyer, you know, he's just a fabulous guy and he's, uh, you know, I've, we've had several conversations um, and matter of fact, when I got back from the Children's Defense Fund event that years ago, he was the first person I took it to and talked to him about it. And he thought it was amazing. And he thought it would be a great, uh, it was a great idea to add the culture. 
And he said, yes, you know, count me in. So it took a few years, but we were finally got the funding and um, went immediately to him again. And he helped us, uh, he helped write a cultural curriculum foundation, a cultural foundation curriculum. And he, um, he talked to elders from both uh, reservations to help create that foundation. And, and the questions were pretty basic is, what do you think that young parents uh, would benefit from as a, as a f- starting foundation or a building foundation? And so that led, gave them content to develop this wonderful curriculum and um, so we call it Indigenous Parent Leadership Training, um, our initiative. And then they're, they're in the middle of their classes. And then um, they go to 20, 21 classes. They'll graduate. They all have a community project where they'll get to use their voice. Um, and so after graduation, we hope to have another one. And they'll help mentor these parents. And, you know, in theory, if we can get programs to help keep it going after the grant ends, you know, you could graduate 20 to 40 parent advocates uh, every year and so on and so on, you know. And so it's, it ha- hopefully it'll have a ripple effect, effect and I'm already hearing that it is. Um, and we're also, I know Bethann is very interested in, in um, and some of the parents are interested in bringing the child uh, component into this. There is a, chi- a children's leadership training um, that's, you know, similar to this. So we're kind of looking at, going to look at that as the next step. But yeah, so those are two of our biggest projects. <laughs> You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today, we're speaking with Barb Faber, citizen of the White Earth Ojibwe Nation. Barb created Indigenous Visioning and All Nations Rise to work within Indian country to support tribal high-quality early childhood systems. I saw you had an article written last year about fixing the shortage of childcare. And this sounds like the work that you do is aligned with helping to fix that shortage, building capacity for tribes. Yes, I was also chair of a national uh, tribal child care association. And we worked with a lot of tribes across the country. And, you know, I love that. And, And I, when I was at White Earth, I got a lot of calls from other tribes um, because at White Earth, we were, I was able to build an awesome team and we just, you know, our focus was building capacity for White Earth. And so, you know, we created, uh, we, at that time, back in the early nineties, that's when the tribe received, um, received the funding. And so there was one other tribe and that was Leech Lake. And so, and that's actually how I met uh, Tammy Finn, who's part of our team here. And uh, they had already created tribal licensing, tribal childcare licensing. And it was kind of based on the state, but they, you know, create, indigenized it for their community and their, their reservation. So I, uh, White Earth did the same thing. We, I went to Leech Lake, learned from them, uh, went to the state. I learned from them. We created our own 
tribal licensing and tribes can do that. Um, you know, they're sovereign nations and they could do that. And I just think every tribe should do that. <laughs> but um, because you have more control, whereas at that time, the state visited uh, licensed, their licensed childcare sites once every two years. And I think it was six hours of training, very minimal. That wasn't good enough for us, you know. So um, we, when we created that, we also, you know, then created the child care assistance and then the quality program and an early childhood training program. So my licensor and my on, on staff educator trainer, that was their task is once the, to, to recruit child care providers and spoil them, basically, give them everything they need because, you know, child care is a very lonely, can be a very lonely um, career, <laughs> you know, uh, because you're, you're there in a home, you know, five days a week, you know, year round, uh, you're working six thirty to five thirty sometimes, you know, year round. So it's very, can be a very lonely, um, <laughs> Uh, job, but you know it's it's probably the most rewarding job because you know I did informal childcare and then we have we manage childcare centers and um, it's just it's just a re rewarding job because those kids are like little sponges, you know. Um, when when children are in childcare full time, they're with that childcare um, provider more waking hours than the parent. So how important is that childcare provider to your child? So that was their job and they did an awesome job. And uh, when I left the tribe, we had, I believe around 18, 19 tribally licensed childcare um, homes and centers. And then I just talked to staff there um, not that long ago, and I think they were up to like 23. So, and and that's all that they do is they go into those childcare homes, you know, a couple times, at least a couple times a month for quality, just developing strong relationships with them. The licensor wasn't there looking for things, you know, to cite them on. They were there to support them if they needed um, any kind of support. So um, it was, you know, that it, I don't know if any other tribe does that. I know not in Minnesota, there's not in, not many tribally licensed child care. So, I mean, that that um, so and then we we, uh, you know, we spoil them around training. And, you know, many of them, I think. Uh, it was like 80% of them were uh, parent-aware rated, which is the state's quality rating system. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's just, it takes a lot of time and effort, but it's so worth it. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today we're speaking with Barb Faber, citizen of the White Earth Ojibwe Nation. Barb created Indigenous Visioning and All Nations Rise to work within Indian country to support tribal, high-quality early childhood systems. What set you down the path and how did you, you know, find yourself in this career? What brought about this passion in you to do this? I, I couldn't even tell you. Oh, I, I guess I would. I, I, if, 
if I had to think of one thing, was I worked for Indian Child Welfare for three and a half years when I first came to work for the tribe back in the late 80s. Um, and we had to place a lot of kids and we had to take, remove kids. And I just seen the, 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 the tragedy of, of removing children from their parents, regardless of the situation. Regardless of what happens, mom, dad still love that love them those children, and even if children are in foster care, they love their their parents. So I always made it a point to you know really nurture our foster parents. A lot of the time, um, kids would just show up on the door and they had no clue what the background was, what happened, you know, if that child was you know. Um, abused or if they were just what so I always made it a point to try to de develop a really strong relationship with the foster parents and support them because like child care it's the same thing um and so I you know we did that I licensed the the foster homes I um, placed kids there we got them training um supported them and then I made every effort to try to make sure that the parents and the children we're still communicating. Um, and so, but I always thought, you know, what, you know, where, what, where are the programs or who's out there to help families before they get to this stage? At that time, there wasn't any, you know, really wasn't much. Um, and so, you know, I worked there and that was the hardest three and a half years of my life. And I think I, I, that probably was the changing thing. Um, you know, I wanted to be, a, I wanted to be farther up the river <laughs> and, uh, you know, try to help before families get that. So I had a question about, uh, something that I found interesting when I was looking through this indigenous visionings work, um, you know, the bullet points of what you guys do. I saw this Indigibox, this, uh, oh, subscription box. Yeah. Could you please yes. talk about that? Cause I'm really interested in that. Well, that was uh, Tammy Finn's idea. I never knew what a subscription box was. It's geared towards early childhood, but really it's for anybody. Um, and so we landed on creating a box for any classroom where there's either Indigenous children or they want to learn about Indigenous. So we wanted to make sure it wasn't, you know, we're not selling culture. We're not, you know, that is not not what this is about. It's about providing the classroom with some teachings, Ojibwe teachings, and it's based on four seasons. And within we look at what's happening in that season. And then we'll take three or four themes and we'll create a, um, a lesson plans around that teaching. And Taylor, our early childhood specialist, um, was a, a early childhood teacher. So she, you know, she comes with amazing background. And so we wanted to like, say, for example, maple syrup, you know, you can do a lot of lesson plans around maple syrup. And then you integrate academics into it, the lesson plans. We use Teaching Strategies Gold, which is um, kind of a more popular curriculum and observation and assessment tool. So we try to tie whatever we do into that. So then classroom teachers 
don't have to do that work. I was getting these calls and emails and it was from uh, a tribe that had missed the ordering deadline. So she was like, I, I need to order it, blah, blah, blah. And she said, you know, I hired a cultural consultant and while they were awesome, the kids retain what they learn from Indigibox more because it's all hands-on. Like they get to build a wigwam, you know, we send materials so the classroom can build a wigwam and there's teachings around that, you know, and same with the drum, you know, uh, there's teachings around the drum, there's teachings around uh, monomen, you know, I mean, so, so we add those teachings in there and um, yeah, it's, it's been a great thing, you know, the only thing, you know, it's, Things are very expensive. The other thing we do is we also hire local artists or vendors um, to create something for the box. So we did beaded keychains. So, you know, um, sought out a artist that could make us um, keychains and we bought 158 from them. So everything is expensive. You know, we're not making much of a profit if you count in staff time. So... You know, we're, we love it, but we need to uh, figure out a way to pay for staff time for Because, you know, we don't want to raise the price again. We just had to do it because of the inflation stuff. And um, we're not in it to make money, um, but we need, you know, we need to keep it going um, feasibly. Is there a preferred method of getting in touch um, just go to our website, indigenousvisioning.com, and there's a contact sheet there. Okay. And so the Indigibox, it's, um, there's a period of, um, I think, a few weeks where you can order. And then it closes because then we know how many boxes we get, we get to make. Um, and we, we didn't know how it was going to turn out. Uh, so we just made 50 boxes the first time just to see if it will go. And, um, you know, within before a week was over, we were sold out already. And so then we said, okay, well, let's try another box. <laughs> and so we did, we did the full year. Now we're on our second year and, you know, our orders are, are, are way up, but, you know, it's finding those vendors again and finding elders. I want to share a story um, and we have a cultural consultant that helps look over everything to make sure everything's okay. And so, yeah, it's just, it's getting culture out there and, and it's, you know, especially for those classrooms, maybe that don't have any, um, native children, but they want to learn about us and things like that. And there's classes out there where there are, uh, some native students and how wonderful is that to connect with your culture in that classroom? So. Jimmy Gwage, Barb, yeah. Jim, mm. appreciate it yeah. so, so much. Yeah. Very cool programs, very cool initiatives. Um, yeah, it, it, it can change the lives of so many people. Well, Miigwech. Thank you very Miigwech, much. Barb, yes, Miigwech. Yes, Gigawabamin. Barb Faber, citizen of the White Earth Nation, Barb created Indigenous Visioning and All Nations Rise and has worked in the field for so long, uh, working within Indian country to support 
tribal high-quality early childhood systems. I really liked her her thought of, you know, going up the river, helping it before it becomes a problem. And Right. Yeah. Being proactive as yeah. opposed to reactive. I mean, you got to be reactive too, but also proactive. I'm Cole Primo. And I'm Leah Lem. Miigwech for listening. Gigawabin. Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine, is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.